Oh, Mad Men. Yeah. Oh, I haven't watched that. We're, yet. we're, we're starting it. We're like, we yeah, watched, we watched, we watched five the for four the first night. We watched three or four last night. We'll yeah. probably watch a couple more tonight. I think we're, I think we're what starting season? ten. That's the first season, I think. Is it or, the last episode? No, it's late in the I season. I don't want to say anything. I don't know what that motion was, but it was either a shotgun or a very <laughs> large <laughs> masturbation sequence. Both of which appear. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know about the second one. I think I read about that. There's, the latter of those. Yeah. As masturbation scenes go. So far south, the is. is our favorite. Sal's good. Sal. Don't. Sal, Sal, hey, Sal dies. <laughs> I think someone shoots him in the face, Cheney style, with a rifle. No, with a penis. No, I think they get shot in the face with a penis. No, no, no. It's not Breaking that's, Bad. <laughs> hey, we haven't watched that. Yeah, stop spoiling off the show. Now we know that someone gets shot in the face with a penis on Breaking Bad. Thanks a lot, Jeff. All right, let's start this thing. Welcome to the Daily Screening Podcast. My name, as always, is Daily. I am joined with a cavalcade of stars today. Uh, first of all, we have my lovely wife, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hello. Uh, and my partner in simian crime, Bartholomew. Hello, Bartholomew. Hey, Mikey. Uh, and then returning to the podcast, we have uh, Jeff Schwartz. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> uh, and also our first timer today, Jess Hilburn. Hi, Jess. Hi. Hi. Uh, and today we're talking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, now, let's, first of all, we're going to set the stage a little bit because yeah. uh, for the last few weeks, uh, Jamie and Jeff and Jess and I have been uh, revisiting the classic ape franchise. The classic eight films. Really, it's been you and me. Well, and I was going to say, you and I... So Shouldn't I, all due respect, be your partner in Simeon Crime? <laughs> for, for this week, you might be uniquely suited. Um, I think you might be the certified film scholar. This, oh, this that's my title. No, no, no. Now you've opened a can of worms that we can't close again. Because Jamie is an actual certified film scholar as well. And I take full responsibility for not having given her For the due. record, Jamie is the only certified <laughs> film, film scholar, scholar in, in the room. room. Yes, absolutely. And never get called as such. That's and true. yet, you know, sorry, other people come over and they get called that immediately. I, look, you are fully uh, vetted, ma'am. charming. I know, right? You're um, Dr. J to me from now on. <laughs> but, uh, so I watched all of the Apes movies for the first time in my year of movie watching. In fact, that's what I started with. The first film I watched was the first Planet of the Apes. It sure was. Um, which, Bart, you were there for that, but I, I don't was. think you were there for any of the other ones, No, I right? wasn't. Yeah. Nope, just um, the first one. That was enough. Jamie was sort of <laughs> in the room for all of them I mean, the first well, time I watched they, yeah. they weren't going to get better after the first one. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, they you do. wrong, sir. No, oh, they do. You are correct. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um, and the scholar agrees with I had to, Okay, I had to sit there twice. Once when Daly was watching all of them for the blog. That and was then, about a year ago. A little yes, over a year ago. And then now again when you were re-watching them with everyone else. Yeah. 
And you, but you were, you it's were not presence. enjoyable either time. Now, uh, Jeff and Jess, you were both watching them for the first time, correct? Yes. No, I'd, well, I'd, I'd seen, seen the first one. I'd right? seen the Planet of the Apes, yeah, okay. like in I high school. I was a newbie. All right. I have never seen any of them. Although I did have the first one spoiled for me by, by my dental hygienist. Oh wow, that sounds very specific. Was she just it, a big apes fan? And she was just a chatty gal. Nice. And when you're getting your teeth cleaned, you don't can't have respond. To yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say you can't say so go up. This is what we call the captive feet. audience. Four, four, four. <laughs> <laughs> me the whole plot while I was getting my teeth cleaned one time. Oh, that's fun. Wait, there was a plot? Yeah. Well, there was. she at least told me I knew the big reveal. At yeah, the end. which is so, which is the, I con- no, the ending. The big the the is I had managed to live my or life space without. Balls. Yes, that too. Without that, so yeah. it was new information for me. So we, Jamie, is on the record as being not a fan of the classic Apes films. This is correct. Um, and well, and let's before uh, let's when we say classic Apes films, let's not include the uh, we won't include the Franco circus, the first Rise of the Planet of the Apes in that yes, in which that I quadrant, well, right? Wait, which you're you're what, a big what, fan of. What about uh, old Tim? What Burton? about Dirk Diggler? Oh, Dirk Diggler, yeah, uh, that one doesn't yeah, count. That one got we left off that list. No, well, so and Diggler wrote the Planet of the Apes, right? So yeah, the the Tim Burton version, which I'm perfectly comfortable leaving out. I did rewatch it after I watched all the first one, all the original ones for the first time. Uh, because I hadn't seen it since the theater, and I thought, hey, maybe it's not as bad as I remember. Or maybe, you know, I was like, I think 16 or 17 when it came out, so I was like, hey, maybe a better appreciation for it or something. No, I was right on the money the first time. That movie is just flat out terrible. Um, but it's also, you know, these new films sort of try to keep themselves in some way roughly connected to the continuity of the originals. You could view it as a remake, or you could view it as a prequel. It kind of has a little flexibility um, either way, whereas the Burton movie is a complete, you know, that's often left field. That's a completely extraneous data point, if you will. That's an outlier. Um, I like to think it's part of the same multiverse. Ooh, hmm, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Huh? Where the lens flares. Mm-hmm. Um, but the my question is, what would your guys' sort of general impressions? Uh, you you guys who are sort of watching them for the first time, or mostly for the first time, what were your sort of general impressions with the originals? Well, like I said, I'd seen. Planet of the Apes in high school, and that had been the last time since I'd seen it. And mm-hmm. I, my dad loved seventy sci-fi. He loved sci-fi in general. That's the reason I saw two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, and yeah. most of the science fiction I knew growing up because of him. So, right. so I'd seen it, and you know, liked it okay, and and everything. I didn't know the ending when I watched it. Oh, um, sure. So that was nice. Um, and then my impression of all the other ones were they they were just campy knockoffs. It was like the Jaws syndrome. They just kept making the yeah. same movie over and over again, and I just had no interest in that. And so I had very low expectations going in. Right. And I was happy to see that I was proved wrong. And in most there's even in the the worst of the series, which I, mean, I think we can agree is the latter two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or at least which, the, the very last one. Yeah. Conquest even has. I think all of the movies have something interesting. Yeah. They all in have them. some unique charms in their own particular yes. way. But the last and they're two all, were. Jamie is making a face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm making a face because you were looking at me. So I. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> I would say I would say pleasantly surprised, and then I've you know I mean we'll get into it as we talk about these as we call them the Franco versions, the Franco even version. though it should yeah, be the circus version. We gotta call them the circus versions. The Franco verse, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Franco verse. Oh yeah, he's, he's in the second one technically. Yes, he Maybe is. His presence is felt. Yeah. Yes, um, so but I've I've generally smelt. enjoyed these, but they're they're very different, and and that will mm-hmm. be the basis of what we talk about. I bet I'm sure. So. Uh, I just think the first one. 
like I don't know if this was their goal or not, if they cared about it or just did it to add some texture. But Wait, which, I, which first one? The actual first one, Planet of the Apes. Charlton oh, Heston. Oh, Charlton yeah. Heston, the Heston um, verse. Okay. <laughs> I think it has interesting things to say about religion and humanity and how you build a worldview that keeps you at the top right. and justifies your terrible treatment of you know things below you sure. and so i thought the way they're like oh well you know only apes have a soul they were endowed with a soul humans we all know don't have a soul and oh yeah they're playing with big yeah, sci-fi and ideas like, oh, well, and when they talk about the um human civiliz- civilizations and things like oh well we all know that humans you know they never had this kind of civilization and right. stuff like that and they accept all of that as fact and you know as the viewer and taylor knows obviously that everything they're saying is crap right but this is what they have created so that they can justify that we are the best and we can treat the humans however we want and it really makes you think about how we do that to so mm-hmm. many different animals but also to other people Upon a time, yeah. Um, well, that's why the '70s ones are sort of funny because they're making comments about this kind of thing, but then they're still like subtly racist. And yes, and sexist. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but well, then that's what I was gonna say. Like all the ones after the first one are just like campy and racist and sexist oh, and silly and weird. I disagree. And I, just, like, yes. I just don't like get anything out of them at all. Like I didn't mm. love the first one, but at least it was doing something interesting. Whereas the rest, I was kind of like. Oh no! See, I think the later ones are certainly those things. They're campy and mm-hmm. sexist and racist or whatever. Well, the first one is campy. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, they all Second are to a certain degree. Pretty sexist. But yes. The, well, yes, no. But the the but I think each that's I think that's what makes the Apes series kind of special and what keeps it what makes it stand out a little bit is that even amidst you know Paul Williams as a <laughs> you know tiny genius orangutan like there there is really there's some like interesting big ideas working mm-hmm. working in each one of those movies um, they might be buried under some crap but yeah. uh, but there's 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 something interesting about each one of those movies I think well and I think each movie is maybe a different kind of movie yeah. like a different kind of you know subgenre and right. exactly like you know obviously the second one which not my favorite but definitely dealing a lot more with like nuclear war mm-hmm. and and the sort of arms race Absolutely. and things Escape, yep. our you know, that's our favorite. Mutual, at least the most entertaining, if not the oh, best executed. You did not see so it, unfortunately. That's the one that, that's the time travel one where the yeah. it's apes. It's like two apes and living in this night like a human right, yeah, 1970s, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which is the great one. Okay. Which and that one, so that one is the most comedic, right? Um, but only for like the first three quarters of it. The yes. end of it is, I think, probably the darkest of all oh, of yeah. them. And then includes the second one where they literally obliterate <laughs> the planet, yes. and yet somehow the third one manages to have a way darker, spookier. It's because you know. Thanks for spoiling it for me. You're welcome. It's, <laughs> oh, well, hey, you, there was no one in your mouth. You could have said spoilers old. anytime you wanted. Yeah, I wasn't really listening. <laughs> you say there was See, no one in your mouth. The dental hygienist. Yes, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> there's another. There's another. Reading of that sentence. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Uh, so, escape. You know, it's it's also it's dealing with different things. It's got like the meat. Like it's more like about the media yep. and about you know Absolutely. sort of that. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not like saying anything original about it. I sure. would say, but it's still again, it's tackling something different. And then once we get to conquest and battle, you know, we're kind of getting into similar themes to yeah. this current one. Well, and the other thing, and you you hit it earlier. Said you know you said oh I figured they were all just sort of remakes they were making mm. the same movie like five times right and that's kind of true of the first one i mean they literally have like sort. a charlton has to yes. look alike basically <laughs> and when um, they fight it's really confusing yeah and then he, gets, <laughs> and then he gets to hang out with nova and yeah she yeah. continues to be silent and just follow the new taylor around exactly it's fantastic it's yep. really really cool don draper would approve it's great yes he would um but no like but that's really it's like the first 
half hour or so feels like, oh, we're doing this. But it's really, it's like the whole first movie encapsulated like a half hour. And then he goes underground and there's weird mutants and shit. And then it gets awesome. And the goddamn gorillas. <laughs> the goddamn gorillas. And that's another thing I want to talk about in reference to the new ones. But, yes. um, but uh, yeah, no, the, each one really it is set in a different sort of era, a different mm-hmm. world. Like, uh, so, you know, you've got the post-apocalypse, or you've got the ape future, you know, mm-hmm. the ape future, but with a different spin on it. And then you've got 1970s, you've got 90s. There's 90s as seen from the from 70s. The 70s <laughs> so it's like future world mm-hmm. that sort of crumbles at the end. And then you've got basically like in the wilderness post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And the last one. So each one is sort of set in a very different place. Which is to their, keep it fresh. to their benefit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it does keep it fresh. The new, the newest one, or, or the... First of this new series, the Franco-verse, uh, Franco-verse Franco. episode one, Franco-verse episode one, yes, uh, Rise of the, the Franco Menace, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fabulous. Uh, you, I feel like we all kind of walked away pretty. I mean, Jamie yeah. and I, we own it. We've seen it many, many times. Where we're I liked fans. it, and I appreciated it because I did not feel very emotionally invested. Right, like I didn't truly care about any of the characters in the old ones, and this one took the time to. Yeah. more well-rounded characters that you yeah. actually... Exactly. You can't get invested in it, and I feel like it's a potentially cheesy concept, but I take it so much more seriously as a viewer, and I enjoy it so much more if the movie takes itself seriously. And, like, isn't... Like, even while campy things... Yeah, but even while campy things might be happening on screen, yeah. the characters are still taking it seriously. And, like, my go-to example is always Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, yeah. which, like... Is such an insane concept right. and insane campy things happen on and the screen, movie is but it's very joke. serious. Yeah. yeah, but it's the, like no, there are vampires and Abraham Lincoln is fighting them, and that's why I love it. Yeah, no, the character in that movie is not tongue in cheek, even though yes, the movie sort of is aware and of, sincere about yeah. killing the vampires. Well, and, and you know, even while they're running and jumping on horses and fighting each other in the middle of a stampede, and it's the greatest thing in the world. But I think there's something to be said for that in the Apes movies as well, uh, specifically with Roddy McDowell. Like, mm-hmm. like the you know the in the original five, you know the budget gets cut in every, it gets cut more and more every movie, um, and so by the end, like a lot of the ape makeup doesn't look very good. Yeah, the and, lips aren't moving very well. Yeah, no, it's pretty unfortunate. Um, and some of it, it's like it, like by the time you get to the last one, it literally looks like they were filming in a storage unit and the backyard of the producer's <laughs> house. You know, like it's pretty, it's pretty unfortunate. But Roddy McDowell just makes it work like he, he's got he is, voice yeah he's yeah. just so interesting even with the like kind of cheesy ridiculous ape makeup like you 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 just focus on him he's just so compelling on screen that he kind of elevates it a little bit jamie and i were at a friend's house we're at uh, jason and lucy's house jason who was on the podcast talking about transformers um and we were watching uh, uh spider baby a fellow film a fellow a fellow film scholar indeed uh, we were watching uh, Spider Baby, uh, and Lon Chaney is in that, and like that movie is like totally silly and campy and ridiculous. But Lon Chaney's doing great work in it. Like it's like he thinks he's going for the Oscar in this like <laughs> B horror film about like murderous little children, but he's just doing fantastic work the whole time. You can't look away from him, and I kind of feel the same way about Roddy McDowell. Um, and I think that's also what a big part of what works in this new one. Um, is the problem is they might not have been intended to be campy when 
Oh, no, sure. I mean, that was... But they just also, they come off as campy now. Whether or not they were intended to be, I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the first one. I think the first one has pretensions of being Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there's, yeah, no, there's just lots of endless Maybe walking through the desert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think by the time they get to Beneath and Escape, they know especially, what's going on. they yeah. know what's going on. And, you know, they're... You know, yeah. It would be silly for us to assume that they weren't aware enough back then oh, that sure. they didn't know. And I think, you know, speaking of characters you can get invested in, I think the relationship between Cornelius and Zira, especially in yeah, Escape, Escape is, is really interesting. And I do feel for them, especially in that ending, which is very, you know, bleak. Yeah. So, you no, know. You're totally right. Uh, but I think that translates, I think that translates in the new one. Uh, now, you know, now we're dealing with. Uh, performance capture and digital, uh, you know... Everything? Yeah, digital, basically digitally drawn characters, but Andy Serkis's performance mm-hmm. comes through because, you know, they're modeling Caesar's expressions on his actual expressions while he's on set, like, in the performance mm-hmm. capture gear. Um, and, you know, his performance is so compelling, even through, like, even though you're not actually seeing his face you are seeing his performance and it really is breathtaking to watch well and I, I feel like especially there was a shot at the beginning where, where Caesar made a face and I could see Andy Circus. yeah absolutely that, you yeah know? totally and, and so yeah I think he's in that tradition of Roddy McDowell and Lon Chaney of mm-hmm. you know actors who are doing work that is kind of overlooked you know totally. in, the, in their sort of contemporary time and <laughs> only later will be appreciated oh my god pizza oh my god oh my god all right, we have pizza now. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, And Nemo has dog food as well. So everybody is now eating. Uh, so apologize for any chomping sound effects that come through uh, for the remainder of the recording. We'll, You're not sorry. We'll, no, I'm not. But we'll do our best. You know, I think that's actually a nice transition point. To the movie that we're... To the movie that we watched, yes. <laughs> so uh, before we get into the movie that we watched, let's do, we'll make this real quick. Um, our trailer of the week... Uh, now, yeah. Bartholomew, you, right. so I had, you had a ticketing mishap this week. So I'm a little <laughs> bit stupid. Okay. And what happened was, so you all, all four of you, mm-hmm. unless I'm mistaken, saw the movie at Cinema Deluxe Revere. True. Cinema Deluxe Revere uh-huh. at 3.55. That's correct. So I was sort of multitasking. <laughs> and so I inc- accidentally, incidentally, mm, bought a ticket for Cinema Deluxe Legacy Place Dedham. Boo. Therefore, just, proving that one cannot adequately yeah. multitask. Right at at at, at three thirty-five, I clicked the three thirty-five and just sort of assumed I was on the right thing because times never match, and in fact, they didn't match, but I didn't notice. <laughs> so, I'm curious to know whether you saw the same trailers that I did. Well, what did you see? I'm trying to see if I can remember them all. I had Hercules again. We did not. We get did Hercules, not get Hercules, which is a shame because it's fantastic. It was pretty fantastic. So I had Hercules. I had Batman as Moses. Yes, Exodus. Yeah, we got Exodus. Exodus. Moses, yes. I tuned that one out. I, don't I had... Which I really think should just be called Exodus. It really annoys yeah, me. Exodus, Gods and Kings. Yeah, yeah. What, not necessary. Um, and then I had... What else did I have? Did you get the Fluffy movie? Because we got the Fluffy movie. Fuck no! <laughs> <laughs> It's a stand-up comedy concert film about Gabriel Iglesias. Well, it he's... looks like a real gem. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's really excited about it. We're going on a date night to it. We're going to go. All of us. I had something else, but it was not remarkable enough to remember. We got Guardians, got Guardians. also. Oh, we had Guardians. Yeah. yeah. 
That might have been it. Actually. We, we didn't get it. That's the best one. Yeah, we didn't really yeah, get but, like a killer but, one. But, but Guardians is an automatic DQ because yeah. it's such an old trailer. At this I point. know. Yeah, it was. This, it was not even the new one they just put out last week. I was kind of hoping it would be that. Right. No, one, it was. This, it was like the oldest possible one. Yeah. The Exodus movie. I, I mean, look, I'm. I feel like a lot of people are probably excited about this because they like Gladiator and it's really Scott going back to swords and sandals. But I kind of don't give a shit. Yeah, I. Mm, <laughs> this is the first I've heard of this movie, and I have to give it to, to Exodus because it's the only new trailer that I saw today. Yeah, no. Was, oh, we um, got the Judge too oh, with yeah. uh, Robert Downey Jr. The music, and I was like, I know exactly what happened in this movie just by the music. <laughs> I will say that when it first started, I thought it was like Elizabeth Town Part Two. So I was at least glad mm. there was a like tiny well twist. Well played, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I was at least glad there was a tiny twist of like, oh wait, there's something actually happening that he needs to do like yeah. while he's in town. If he'd found love, it would be a Cameron Crowe movie. Right? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that I'm sure Vera Farmiga is just hanging That's around true. serving That's him beer. True. That's yeah. what I was trying to say, but pizza precluded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, we didn't get it. I mean, the Exodus trailer just, I mean, yeah, people. There, there's a big rush of you know biblical shit right now, and I kind of. Don't care about any of it. But of all the people to do biblical shit, don't you trust Ridley Scott? Yeah, no, look, Ridley Scott is inherently interesting. Because, uh, did you see Prometheus? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah I know. And so good. It's a terrible script that he, Ridley but, Scott shot beautifully. Yes, exactly. And that's what it, that's the one thing that struck me watching the trailer is that he has so found his look. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, there's a certain, I don't know if it's the, the frame rate, the cinematography, a combination thereof, but it's just like, the way that it's shot, you, you, you're like, oh, that's Ridley Scott within I, a second. Oh, yeah, you know? and I think it's interesting because Tony Scott was the same way before he died. Yes. The last handful mm-hmm. of movies he did, it was like you know, Domino and Man on Fire, mm-hmm. um, Unstoppable. Like, they all, as soon as they, it's like, first of all, they all have Denzel Washington, but like, <laughs> they, they have that weird, like, uh-huh. oversaturation, yes. like, uh-huh. uh, stop motion y frame rate thing, and mm-hmm. you just instantly know it's, it, was, it was Tony Scott. Um, and I'm, that's a very late stage thing for him that he right. found that palette. You really like, yeah, which is interesting because the earlier ones aren't like, no, that. not at all. But I'm super excited about Egyptian Sigourney Weaver, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I'm really excited about, to be honest with you. Mine was sarcasm, mine was genuine. <laughs> I think everyone knows that. So let's so let's talk Don, um, not Draper, yeah, correct. <laughs> For the record, uh, Don, Don of Apes, I had to make sure that I had the title of this movie right at the end. Because I got to the end of the movie, and I was like, and I was like, this is something after the credits. I normally just ask daily, but obviously I was in a different theater, so I had to look look it up myself. No, what was me? I can't remember any of the titles. And I was, was (laughs) wait a minute, did I just look up the right movie or the one from before? I'm not sure. No, but here's the thing that annoys me, and I was going to say this at the outset: the title should be switched. They should be fucking switched. That's a good point. Like that's all I could think is the whole like first ten minutes of the movie is how much I hate. That this movie is called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. The first one should have been called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and this one should be called Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, and I disagree. I, and I mm. recognize that because when they made when they made the first one, maybe they didn't know they were going to be successful, and they didn't know they were going to have yeah. a sequel, and that's fine. It's pretty dicey. But when you've already named your first one Rise, you cannot then call the second one Dawn. No, Dawn just... connotes beginning, and Rise connotes like an upward swing from the beginning. Like she's not wrong. You no. cannot call the second one Jamie, Dawn. Jamie, you're right. Thank you, Bart. <laughs> I agree with Doctor J too. Thank but you. I will I also today. say that the original Apes has a legacy of mistitling its films because, yeah. as we've None discussed, as we've discussed before, it really should be. 
Battle of the Planet of the Apes is the fourth movie, and Conquest as yeah. the last movie. Yeah, so they killed it's, humans. Yeah. it's inadvertently participating in a proud tradition of not quite knowing which title should but go win. It just doesn't make any sense. I disagree. Your metaphor is absolutely correct. Your description is absolutely correct. But I think there is something uh, that, I think it still works here, if you think of it in, in these terms, that the first one is literally, it is watching apes literally rise from being apes to possessing intelligence and and you know becoming more than what they were the second one think of it you have to think of it more in terms of the second half of the title of it being the planet of the apes mm. whereas in this one it's you know it's kind of not yet you know there's there the apes are doing their thing out in the trees and the humans are still trying to make their city work um, and they're they're living very separately and I think the important point here is that at the film's very end, and uh, Jess, I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, we're very spoilery on this podcast. There's no need to hold back spoilers here. Okay, um, at the very end, I mean, first of all, it literally ends with the dawn. Like, it literally mm-hmm. ends with day breaking. Um, but the apes have now taken over the human city. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's no longer apes are doing their own thing, living their own, they've got their own civilization off in the wilderness that's a very ape like mm-hmm. you know, not world. separate but equal. Right, exactly. It's very, it's very. <laughs> so glad I wasn't the one who said it. Yeah. I was totally thinking it. Yeah, uh, but now they are. They have literally. They have waged war on man because you know, really, they you know, man went down on of their own accord because of this uh, this illness, this simian flu. Here, they have literally waged war on man. They have kicked them out of their own city. They have taken over human space, and I think that is the the thing that makes it you know that makes the titles work. Is thinking of it as the apes literally taking over the planet, nope. making it their planet. Nope, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the reason you're wrong is because it's not rise of the apes on the human planet, and then it's not dawn of the planet, parentheses of the apes. It's 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 just wrong. I like I like that. Okay, I like that answer because it involves grammar. I was gonna say grammar answer. It's true. Punctuation. I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping the next one isn't like they continue this stupid trend of like you know involving day like it's new moon of the planet of the apes. (laughs) (laughs) Like like we don't start going on twilight tropes. Yeah, it does. What's the 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 um, when you shoot and it's the perfect hour. Uh, uh, magic, hour. Magic, magic, the magic hour. Magic hour of the planet of the The witching hour. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Though actually I'd see that. I know, right? <laughs> I can't be there. So we've got, uh, like I said, it's a very, starting at a very different place now. Uh, like I said, so the apes are sort of living. They've got their little ape utopia out in the wilderness. The humans, civilization has completely no, wait, broken wait, down. wait, wait, I want to, we have to go back to the opening credit sequence first. Oh, the prologue? Mm. I that, love the prologue. shit was terrifying. Yeah, right? Mm. That was genuinely scary to me. And you know why? Because very little of that was footage shot for this movie. I was going to say, most yeah, of that is right, regular news real politicians talking about real emergencies and yeah. just stitching yeah. it together. Which, I agree, I like the opening, and I feel like it was way more effective, I don't know if we want to table this for a separate discussion, of the, the little prequel, the mm-hmm. short films, oh, which yeah, I... Yeah. That's fine. Uh, what, I didn't like them at all. But, I liked the gun one. I liked the one. You like Winchester seventy three? Yeah, exactly. Like that one? I like that narrative the device. Elder that's yeah. Yes, or the Elder Wand, as Jamie pointed this? out. Um, there were a couple. So Jessica has floated the theory that Caesar is Harry Potter. 
Society and they have different. Uh, the the orangutans tend to be more intellectual and uh, like the philosopher government people and the uh, gorillas are all very aggressive and they're all the soldiers and the generals. And they're shit. the Klingons of the exactly of, or, the, of the ape verse or Santarans. We could go <laughs> any any fandom you want. Yeah. I got the equivalent exactly. <laughs> I kept waiting for that to happen in this movie mm-hmm. where you know especially since this is a movie essentially about an ape uprising and a betrayal and you know a. a, a power play, you know, mm-hmm. balance of power thing here going on, that I was waiting for. The gorillas, I kept expecting that that Me would too. be what they would do. The gorilla, some gorilla would be the thing. But no. I, well, instead... you know, Daly, this is not the same thing, because in the original Planet of the Apes, depending on where you are in the story, either all the cats and dogs died, <laughs> <laughs> and the monkeys became pets, That's and then true. eventually servants... Or, what was it, the world was under nuclear war and the monkeys eventually rose? Yep. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, James Franco destroyed us all. So clearly the Franco. continuity <laughs> would be the death of us. Yeah, Declaring so war on everyone. Yeah. This is a totally different continuity. No, and, that's, and I like that I, it's not beholden to those original films. Mm-hmm. It's going off in a different way. And I think the Koba thing really works well because it actually gives like that... Uh, resentment, that need for power, that hatred of humanity—it's it, it, it gives it an emotional backstory. You know mm-hmm. that he was this ape who 
is literally scarred and disfigured because he went through, he spent his whole life in testing labs and he'd been poked and prodded by humans and so he just knows nothing but hatred right, for right, humanity. Right, hold, hold on for one second. So I saw the Franco first one mm-hmm. like two days ago. Okay. For the first time. For the first time. Did anybody think for even a second that 113 Ape was gonna, not going to be a problem in this one? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. he's clearly the evil ape. He's, he's, he's because clear, he's yeah. scarred he's and disfigured. obviously yeah. evil Caesar. Oh, sure. No, he is. Because even in the first one at the end, Caesar's trying to minimize the casualties as much as possible. He doesn't want anyone to kill humans. He's stopping people from killing humans. And Koba just kills the lead scientist from Genesis without even thinking about it. So... You know. Well, no, Caesar actually gives him permission. Oh, Caesar crazy. is standing over the helicopter, and then he walks away and lets Koba push the helicopter off. Know, so in the first one, it feels very much like, yeah, Koba has his uses, and mm-hmm. I let him do things when he needs to, and here's where it, it all kind of bubbles over. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we talk, though? This this occurred to me. So Koba, you know, we, he, we established he was, you know, he's in the first movie. He's yeah. tested and, you know, gone through hell. So, yes, he has a, a legitimate reason to be... Suspicious, if not hostile, toward mankind. Absolutely. Um, but then we also have my favorite character, Aunt, um, Maurice. The oh Rangutan. yeah, Maurice is fantastic. <laughs> He's like the counterpart. It's well, been a- exactly. I totally thought he was, was going to die. I did not. Expect I know, him and I'm so glad he didn't. I'm so glad he didn't. I thought he was totally. Gonna uh, die. I know, me too. Poor guy. But okay, so but Maurice, in a conversation with Caesar towards the beginning that I I enjoy, yeah. talks about how. He didn't get to know humans on, you know, in a good way, yep. whereas Caesar did, sure. you know, with Franco. So I think it's interesting because, I mean, obviously I think Cove has gone through a lot more, but Maurice has also gone through, you know, some shit, and he he doesn't seem to have that animosity and that resentment in him. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting, like, what, like, you know, why Why is one one way and the other? He's a circus yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's right. But I was going to say, like, they've all got their ape and human counterparts. It's like you've got... You have, you have to have the douche because you have a douchey human. Exactly. <laughs> like, you've got that you guy Carver, yeah, who won't stop shooting everybody. Yeah. And even says, when they're trying to... When Carrie Russell tries to say, like, it's not the ape's fault. Like, humans yeah. created the virus. Humans were testing it on apes. And humans started all this. It's not the ape's fault they were in experimentation. Like, whatever. Yeah, he's like, I don't care. Whatever, I hate man. seeing them. Yeah. Like, just seeing them makes they're me angry. Hell. So yeah. it's like you've got... Some apes and humans who are willing to, like, slowly learn and realize that, like, not all apes are automatically animals who want to kill you. Some of apes. Yeah, hashtag <laughs> not all apes. Um, and not all humans are crazy, you know, gun-toting loons who are going to kill the ape on sight. You know, Absolutely. so it's like they each slowly have to realize that. But just like Maurice realizes it, and Koba won't, you know, yep. Carver won't either. You I... know, so it's like they just, some people don't want to change their minds. No, you're right. And it's it's very true to you know, true yeah. to humanity and everything. I just found it interesting that, that was, you know, because they're still fairly early on in their language development, you know, the conversations don't be tend to be, you know, terribly complex and we don't get tons of conversations yeah. between apes. So I thought it was just interesting that the one conversation that was really extended with um, Maurice was about his mistreatment at the hands of humans, yeah, absolutely. and so the fact that he doesn't take the route of Koba and doesn't sim- doesn't side with him later on when Koba stages his coup, right. is interesting. So. Maurice is always shown to be a little more um, circumspective. Yeah. Yes. In the last one, 
Yeah. Just don't it. don't let them know you know don't how to sign. They, sign. they don't like smart monkeys. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's clearly been observant of human behavior. And yeah. Knows the nuances. No, that's a good point. Yeah, and he also isn't literally physically. Plus, well, he's, well, he's, he, he knew how to sign before. Yeah. 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 So he also seemed to be a teacher, and it seemed like, aside from just teaching letters to little monkeys, it seemed like he was also teaching them history. Yeah. There were drawings of, like, the mm-hmm. golden Yeah, I loved that. It was like literally that. like, this is, was our exodus into the woods, like, mm-hmm. you know, pictograms yeah. on the so stones. So I feel like fantastic. people who are in that position are usually people who are understanding, and Sam already using people to talk about the apes, but so, See, like, there you go. are mm-hmm. usually... Movie up, did its job. But yep. are, they're usually more willing to look at things from more than one point of view and to try to like fit it in context and see what we can learn from the situation so i feel like he's uh, he's that kind of person he's yeah. not aggressive he's not outright angry like he's more willing to really sit and look he's no a scholar yeah. indeed well and you're right and i would have been so mad if all of a sudden he did side with koba and he his character changed drastically yeah. in a way that didn't feel you know uh rooted in what they established in the first movie exactly. but i just i find it interesting because they're you could say that they come from similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. Right. That they choose opposite paths. And I really, I really like that they kept Much like Harry Potter and Voldemort. <laughs> 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 We're fucked. <laughs> uh, so no, I, but I, I like that we got some of the old apes from the previous movie, Rocket and Maurice and Koba. Like I like that they, you know, that we kept those guys around. I think they're they're un. I, I kind of wanted to see more of Rocket. Like, Rocket mm-hmm. kind of well, disappears say, after a while. And I was going to say, Rocket is, like, a very interesting thing on what Jeff was just saying, which is that you could see Rocket really joining with Koba. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, not only was he in that horrible sanctuary, I mean, yeah. he wasn't experimented on, but he was in that sanctuary, and that was awful. But the first human they encounter in two years shoots his son. Like, yeah. Without mm-hmm. even thinking about it. Exactly. And so Rocket could have been, like, right on with Koba's side, but Rocket never left Caesar's mm-hmm. loyalty and I think, ever because yeah. he was like with him like and from I, the beginning he's like you showed me and I'm with you so. and I think that says more about Caesar I think that's really talking about how much they like they all mm-hmm. sort of implicitly trust Caesar at one point I literally was like what happened to Rocket where's Rocket and yeah. then they were all chained in the bus and I was like oh there he is oh mm-hmm. that's sad yeah um I really liked the sort of intricacies of the ape civilization. I mean, it had only been ten years, but I like, more of that. yeah, no, me too. They had like headdresses yes, and masks. Who were the like medicine women with their special? Bands yeah, exactly. Or the women who never spoke in the entire. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the other thing that was interesting. Like, clearly, they've modeled a patriarchal society. Like, what else is going on with how they? Yeah. Well, I was looking up later to see you know, who was doing motion capture for the different apes and stuff, and, like, was Andy Serkis just, like, doing a lot of double duty, or was it a lot of different people? Each ape had their own motion capture actor. So Judy Judy Greer! Greer. Uh Judy Greer was the motion capture actress! For his wife! Exactly! I was like, why do you cast an actress who's actually, like, recognizable and talented, and then she literally never says a word. She just sits there and makes sad faces for most of the time. I was like, are you kidding me? Any, like, stand-in could have done that. Well, I had a problem from that from a plot perspective, too, because I felt that, like, that, her, Caesar's wife getting sick, yes, she just went through childbirth, but her being ill was purely to bring the good humans and the good apes together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like, you could work your way back in the plot process from oh, that. So, sure. I mean, so there's it, no question. But. So, yeah, that was a little disappointing, too. 
Um, I really loved all the war paint and stuff too. Like, mm. oh, oh yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, mm. the ribs. Yeah. So can someone help me really quickly because I thought apes were vegetarians. Am I just wrong about that? Because I thought they were, and then at the beginning they're, they're hunting, and it looks like they're hunting deer or whatever. Yeah. And then later they have a fire, and I'm like, why do they have a fire? And then I looked closer and realized like they were roasting something on a spit above the fire, and I was like, what? Ch- maybe chimps are uh, vegetarians and gorillas aren't. I don't I know. They're super intelligent apes. It's That's true. why once you become super intelligent, you have to have <laughs> yeah. meat. Yeah. yeah. I thought I thought being vegan made you better than other people. <laughs> no, it just gives you mental powers, right? Um, and what, so what, yeah, when Rocket's son gets killed, I kind of I kind of was surprised. I thought that would be a bigger deal. Um, it was a pretty big deal. Well, no, in that... It was too sad. The sun. Right. Yeah, it was I was telling you for blue eyes. In my head. I yeah, blue eyes. So was I. So was I. No, yeah, me too. Well, I totally I was. Thought, I thought we were going to find out Blue Eyes was a nickname and that his real name was Cornelius. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Or, I thought, or I thought the second son, they were going to name him Cornelius. Yeah, and that maybe, the second son never had a name, And then, yeah. and then maybe Blue Eyes was going to die. But then I was... Re- I think Blue Eyes might be his actual name because Caesar's mother was, was Bright Eyes. Right. right. Yeah, Caesar's mother's was Bright Eyes. Yeah. Cornelia. Question, question. So yeah. it's, I haven't seen the original Planet of the since March when you started your... Yeah, last March. Yeah. Last, yeah. March. Yeah. last yeah. March 13. Mm-hmm. That's what they called... They called Trailer Bright Eyes. Okay. But yeah. in the Franco one... Caesar's His mother, mother yeah, was no, no, no. Named yeah. Bright Eyes. Yeah, that's it was their little nod and to I kept, the original. But so when he called him Blue Eyes, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cute. It's like he named him after his mother. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the exact opposite, in fact. I was thinking he was called Blue Eyes. I kept waiting for them to reveal that he was actually like a dumb ape. <laughs> that he didn't have the... Because <laughs> he, he doesn't have weird. green eyes. Well, because he didn't have green eyes like, like the, all the smart chimps did. They're like, oh, he's... Should, he should have green eyes, but he doesn't. He has blue eyes, so he's like the dumb ape who's going to be like, like, easily manipulated. He's like chimp. the normal, yeah, the actual mm-hmm. chimp. But but yeah, no. When this when Ash gets killed, because that's like their their primary rule is ape does not kill ape, which that's a, another great throwback from the original that was in from the originals that was in the fifth one, I think. Yeah. Um, and where they literally are in a class and they're teaching ape does not kill ape. Which I feel like I wish they had dwelled on that a little more yeah. because I feel like that is such a crucial like dictum for this and that yeah. is, you know, the, the way that the story is enacted where, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, Kova is going, you know, he's betraying Caesar right. and everything. Going, enacting but, the... But setting it up shit. like a human. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're totally right because, and, that, and that's why it felt like why isn't that a bigger deal to them? Why isn't that more shocking to mm-hmm. these, all these apes who literally just watched them Watch this! Watch him throw the kid off a balcony. Because up till now, they've literally never seen an ape kill another ape. Right. So th- I feel like that should be a much more shocking moment for those. But I wonder if there's some sort of exception about defying the alpha because Caesar almost kills Koba and right. no one steps in to stop it. Right. But right. he also doesn't and says like he literally takes his hands off his throat and says ape does not kill ape and like so like clearly like that is still. You know, even he is not exempt from that law. Is what mm-hmm. that that scene feels like. So when Koba does it, like almost haphazardly, like mm-hmm. eh, fuck you, and he sort of throws him off the thing. Like I felt like that should have been more of a turnaround for some of the apes. Where nobody, nobody seemed to have a problem with it except for not Cornelius. Yeah, I mean, you could say they're all afraid, and there's that line about how right. the apes are fear. Are fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want to rise up. But yeah. I, I think that. You know, say what you will about battle, which is not the strongest of the no. of the films. What it does well is establish that rule, yeah, absolutely. and establish sort of the ape morality that has come in the years since conquest. Right. And I feel like th- that's a small thing they could have done this and in this movie, and would sort of have mm-hmm. made that maybe more impactful. That right. scene. Um, 
the uh, I think I think it's from a technical standpoint. I think I love I Matt I really like Matt Reeves. Uh, I think the direction is fantastic. Um, there's some kind of great a couple of instances of some really great flashy cinematography. The mm-hmm. the tank turret shot. Is oh, the tank turret shot is fucking great. Great. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's that fixed camera on top of the turret. And it's swinging around while the can the tank is moving. Oh man, I fucking loved that. that I thought that was so good. Um, and I loved all, a lot of the stuff in the in the to- on the tower too, with mm-hmm. all the things you know banging around and, and flying. Did anybody else get a little bit of episode three or Spider Man three happening in that tower? Because I did. In what way? Well, Spider Man three, it's a tower. Yeah. And there's just there. Oh, just people fighting on a large object. Kind and of then thing. and then <laughs> and then Star Wars episode three, we're swinging on vines and hitting each other. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like. For a split second when they started swinging on the power cores, I was like, oh my god, it's like Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull, except so much better. I was like, <laughs> yeah, except we like this, these monkeys. I was going to say, yeah. this is how you do weird monkey vine fighting. Yeah, I liked, you know, speaking of direction, that there was no shaky cam. And shaky mm-hmm. cam can work in certain circumstances, sure. but I'm over it as yeah. a sort of default you way to... same. Uh, as a sort of default way to shoot action, I think I it's so over, and it's like... You know, I mean, this could be a whole separate podcast, so I won't dwell. <laughs> I won't dwell on it. But like, none of the action scenes really resorted to that. There was clear geography. There yeah. was, you know, there was an emphasis on clarity and that siege of the city with all mm-hmm. the apes on on horses. And it's like, yeah, I knew exactly where they all were and what yeah. was going on. And, and yet, it, that doesn't make it feel any less intense because I feel like that's the catch-all for like, you know, shaky cam is like, oh, you're there, you're yeah, in it. You feel like you're in the middle of it. But yeah. no, not always. And and you know, so I think I I appreciated that. About about, about yep. the direction. I also like that the 3D wasn't super gimmicky because they could have yeah. been like, oh, yeah. monkey's swinging right yeah. at yeah. 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 There's a spear flying at your face. Yeah. There were a couple of uh, nice, there was where there would be like a, a, a tree trunk, like out of focus, really close in the foreground, and, and then this you'd see them like swinging down yeah. the hillside. I really like there's the one shot uh, right before the apes are about to siege the city, um, and it's through Gary Oldman's uh, sniper scope, and so you can actually see. Like the crosshairs feel like they're very close in front of you, and you, you get a little sense yeah. of depth there, which yeah, I that really was, like. That was useful. Um, I really, I really dug that. But yeah, no, a lot of the 3D was I actually thought pretty well done. done. See, and I thought this. I'm, I not a 3D. I man. hate 3D like I hate shaky cam, and, and <laughs> you know, I'm with, I'm with no, you. I don't like. No, and I for this one too. Like I felt like okay, maybe there's a few instances where it works well, but it really in in total doesn't add to the movie very much. And I kept I would flip my glasses up every once in a while because it has the usual 3D effect of of dimming the picture. Yeah, and at certain scenes you could literally flip your glasses up, everything was in focus, and just watch the apes talk to each other. Like sure. when Caesar was uh, injured. And he was in the Franco house toward yep. the end. You could just flip your glasses up, and nothing was going on in that scene. It was much brighter, crisper, yep. and so I, you know, I, I don't think it added a whole bunch. I don't think it justified the use of 3D in that That's case. That's fair. Um, I really liked the sound, uh, the sound direction as well. I mean, I, I, first of all, I think the score is fantastic. There are a couple of really great, like old school apes they cues. Back to the yeah, old where there's like some like woodwinds and some mm-hmm. like ding, 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 like as the apes are coming down the mountain, which I think is fantastic. Well, and I, I'd like to rewatch it or, or hear it again, but the like I feel like the first music cue is very similar to the first cue in 2001: A Space Odyssey. Oh yeah, which is a, I, I can't remember who it is. It's a piece of the classical music. Yeah. 
but it's like very no it's that's not the first thing it's when the when the proto-humans see the monolith the yeah. first time and it's like this chorus and it's very discordant oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And that, I feel like that was and it's that slow slow slow, slow build, build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I feel like that was a, a callback in, in this oh to, sure to, in the very first cue in yeah this when they're watching the thing they're watching mm-hmm. the, the wildebeest or the uh, deer or whatever yeah the deer yeah yeah um, now Bart, you, I, I, I don't think you got this experience, but we were watching it with uh, Dolby Atmos, which is their sort of super surround sound. Um, they literally, I, it, there's an, basically there's an insane number of speakers around the room yep. so that they can really pinpoint where the sound is coming from like around the room. And they even do a little sort of demo thing at the beginning where they show like a helicopter and you hear like helicopter blades like around, like circling the room basically. Um, and you can really hear it from many different angles, as opposed to like it's in front, it's behind. It's like no, you can like feel it in different places. There were a couple of places. It's the first time I'd ever u- seen something with the Atmos sound. It was the f- I think there were a couple of places where it's really, really well utilized, and mostly it's pretty subtle. Like uh, when you were in the jungle and it was raining, you would sort of you could sort of like feel rain all around you. I love that it rained and it was in the Pacific Northwest yeah, and it rained. They actually the had rain. Yeah, exactly. Like it was very true to the climate. Uh, so there, yeah, there was like rain and jungle noises were great. The one that really got me though was at the very end after Caesar drops Koba down the shaft um, and then all of the apes just do this and you could like, you could hear it like completely mm. like the first and the first couple ones came from behind me so it was really creepy and then they were just sort of <laughs> all around and moving all around and that mm-hmm. moment was so cool yeah uh, I, I totally love that I didn't notice as much of that stuff as you but what I just what I liked about the Atmos was that you know when we see a movie at the, the IMAX and Reading or like just a lot of theaters too I think they equate like loudness with goodness right and this wasn't that case I don't this was just it was like clear you could hear everything really well and as you said the surround sound like kind of gave it a, a sense of um Scope yeah. that you wouldn't have otherwise, Absolutely. but it didn't feel like I have to like cover my ears because it's like it's cranked up to yeah. eleven. Yeah, exactly. I almost didn't see it in three D. Oh, really? So the three thirty five that I inadvertently bought tickets to was a two D showing, and yeah. we got there and we were late, and so I went through I don't know an ordeal with Anthony, <laughs> the fifteen year old kid at the register who couldn't figure. Out. I was like, "Listen, I'm late for this show. We're like twenty minutes late." Yeah. I was like, "Can I just?" There was one at four or five, and it's three D one. Can I just? You know, refund me and I'll pay the difference. Yeah, and he couldn't do it. <laughs> like, and like up to the point, so it was three thirty-five was the showing. The next one was four oh five. We get there at like ten of five of whatever, and he sits there literally, elbow on the counter, head in hands, being like, "So does that mean I give you four dollars?" Or well, I was like, "I think you should refund me my ticket and do it separately." <laughs> and then he was trying to get his supervisor's attention. Whose name he didn't know. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, fuck. And so eventually. I'm going to miss this movie twice. Bit, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to miss it twice in a row, two different. Anyway, eventually we get into the, we get into the, the theater. There's no 3D glasses. I was like. I had to ask our ticket taker for 3D glasses. I she was, let us go without them at first. And I was like, do we just get 3D glasses somewhere? She's like, oh, yeah, they're over well, there. No, yeah. no, there were none. Like, they were out. <laughs> I don't know if they were, I don't know if they were fucking yeah. gonna wash them or, like, put them, like, I don't know what was going on. Like, we'll bring them to you in the theater. I was like, oh, sure you will. Was Anthony from the desk in the <laughs> And so we get in and we're sitting there. And uh, eventually a lady comes in with a box. With like, I don't know where she fucking got the box. It's like a box of 3D glasses. Yeah. You had an ordeal today. I was going to say, yeah. our window 
Jessica Ugh. and I went in, same, we had printed home tickets and our woman could not scan she them. Could not like, figure oh, out. oh yeah, could he couldn't not, do that either. Yeah, he could <laughs> he not tried. figure out how to work the scanner and then finally had to call over a supervisor who like showed her how to scan it and then we start to walk away and the supervisor was like prompting the woman like they need 3D glasses and she was like, oh yeah, your 3D glasses. <laughs> we are like, oh good lord. One of the things that I really, really loved, uh, so you mentioned Maurice teaching, being the teacher and like having him sort of you know, teaching sign language to younger apes and just apes in general. I love that talking was not the default for the apes, that they, yeah. sign language is sort of their, their standard method of communication and they talk sometimes, but usually like they talk, when they talk it carries weight. When they talk it's because they have something important to say and that's why they're oh, talking. I don't know about that. Well, for the most part, it, eventually it sort Caesar of becomes, yeah, by the end they're just sort of talking a lot. But, but I also sense that Caesar was more comfortable with speaking because yeah, Caesar absolutely. was the first one to do and, it. But even Caesar, Caesar was born super smart and yeah. then got the 113, so like Caesar I think is like better with talking. But I, even Caesar, like there's a, you know, and we talked about this earlier, it's like, oh yeah, apes don't have like the throat muscles to, like mm -hmm. in, re in reality, they don't have the throat muscles to be able to vocalize that way. They also don't have the locking knees to walk around uh, bipedally for too long. That's true. But okay. I but I liked that, you know, even though they talk, it still felt like laborious for them. That they had to put in the effort to, to actually say something and there was like a brief pause between each word. It's they like they're like, clearing about, their throat. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. It wasn't just like, you know, and I, look, as much as I love Roddy McDowell, who's just, like, soliloquizing throughout <laughs> the entire fucking movie, yeah. um, I love that there's that sort of stilted nature to their speech. Well, it's great. There's also sort of a power thing, too. Oh, sure. It's only the apes who have some sort of heft some in sway, the yeah. tribe. And the son doesn't talk till the very end. Yeah. He sort of comes into his Simba. own. So let's relate, <laughs> so let's relate that to the fact that the women never speak and the then, women shall never we? Speak. <laughs> Well, we really only see one woman, and that's Caesar's wife. And she's surrounded by women. Well, Probably yeah, yeah. the midwife monkeys. That's true. The midwife monkeys with their shell masks. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yes, we see their faces. Yes. That's true. <laughs> Heavens forbid. Um, no, yeah, but there aren't really a lot of female characters, uh, female ape characters in the movie. Oh, a lot of um, female human characters either. Yeah, you, know, you, know, you get Carrie Russell. So it's like every movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but I'm not wrong. You're, you're not wrong. You, you're even right, I for that know. matter. Um, this week's episode brought to you by the letter Y. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we were talking in the lobby afterward about how, you know, to the movie's credit, it relies a lot on the sign language and, and the subtitles. subtitles yeah. And, you know, so many movies, at least, you know, in previous eras, would have we would have had some sign language and some speaking eventually it would transition completely to speaking just because that's easier. Yeah, but yeah, this yeah. movie was like a foreign film with yeah. the amount of like subtitles that it had and I, I yeah. admired that what about I it. What I would be interested in seeing though is how much of the apes communication they modeled on people who actually are deaf or hard of hearing. Right. Because I felt like a lot of the way the apes are signing but they're also like they're not talking, but it's almost like they're making kind of like breathy noises, like almost a sub-vocalized, yeah, yeah, yeah. almost like a sub-vocalized kind of, like they're still moving their lips and they're making kind of like, kind yeah. of noises, like, Sometimes that is how deaf people yeah. communicate a lot, like while they're signing, they're also moving their lips and they're doing this kind of breathy thing, and so it seemed... It seemed very authentic to how people who are signing actually do communicate with each other in real life. So I wondered how much of those scenes they based on 
people who actually use signing to communicate. No, I agree. And in fact, a lot of times I felt like it's it's it seemed as if they were they were sort of making grunting noises, and some of them sort of sounded like the word. Well, sort of marrying that with actual ape noises, right? Like, you know, especially when whenever Koba would sort of um, fuck with anyone, he would make the sort of you know. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah and, and like that sort of like breathy grunting that you actually see with you know certain apes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it's a they created their own like you know uh, language yeah, in a sure. way. Yeah, sure. So. Yeah, it felt like they felt like a proto ape sort of language mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the, I, and I also think Koba's got, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier. You know, I think Koba's got that really interesting sort of character arc of his own, um, where. You know, and it, it's made explicit. Well, well, but it's made explicit at one, at one point when they've taken over the city. Essentially, um, that essentially his whole revolt—it's all just revenge for his mm-hmm. life in human laboratories. You know, like he's at one point he says, "You will know life. You will know life in a cage." You know, mm. and it, it's like it really feels like yeah, that's sort of his backstory. It, at first, it feels just sort of like backstory. Oh, this is why he doesn't like humans. But by the time he's actually leading a revolt, it's like no, he's. This is payback. This is payback for everything that was done to him. I, I do wonder, though. I agree with all that, but I do wonder how much of it is also because I'm thinking as the as the pretentious lit major how it <laughs> how the story in some ways you know very loosely echoes the story of Julius Caesar. You sure. Know? Well, and yeah, so I mean, it's, when, it's right there. With, when when Koba shot him, I was like, should have named him Brutus. I know exactly. <laughs> so Koba is the Brutus character, and yeah. so I. There's the scene where Koba and um, Caesar fight, mm-hmm. and and Caesar gets in the, the upper, in the first the first fight in the uh, dam in the dam in yeah. the hydroelectric dam yeah and so and and Caesar you know gets the upper hand there and mm-hmm. and he has to submit and I wonder how much of that plays into his motivation for the eventual oh, sure. betrayal Betrayed, and yeah. uprising because it's you know it's, I think they linked those pretty closely just they come sort of back to back yeah. mm-hmm. it seems like that was the thing that that was the final straw maybe yeah, yeah exactly um, but it, you know, but it also you know it gives I think all of the villains here kind of have like, you know, the marketing made it feel like Gary Oldman was totally like yeah and the villain okay. human like all the commercials yeah. all the trailers are like basically made it look like Gary Oldman was an asshole and started a war with apes because he didn't like apes. And that is totally not the case. He is not a cookie-cutter villain no, at all. He's barely in this movie. He is yeah. not a cookie-cutter villain, but by the end, he is... I mean, he's not the Koba. I think Carver's more the Koba. But toward the end, he won't listen. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't avert the war. He doesn't help. But like, it's he true, but destroy everyone. If you think of it from his perspective... He hasn't witnessed any of the ape stuff. Like, he hasn't mm-hmm. really... He only oh, he, got, saw their scary war paintings. Yeah, exactly. Terrifying. Exactly. So, like, he hasn't seen their civilization. He hasn't seen Caesar, like, as a person who has a family and all that shit. Like, he literally just saw a bunch of apes show up and be like, don't fuck with us, and then leave. <laughs> and it's not like he was planning to go out there and kill them anyway just for being out there. Like, oh, once I got the power, he was like, fine, cool, we got power. Who gives a shit now? It wasn't until they literally lay siege to the city that he you know that okay now we've got to now we've got to do stuff you know I will um, say in his defense I did wish we saw a more impassioned and detailed plea on Malcolm's behalf like it seemed like what we got to see of Malcolm trying to explain why he's holding everyone at gunpoint and trying to prevent them from exploding the tower yeah was him being like well, no, like, you don't understand. Like, the leader is coming, and if we give him him time and 
I thought of a million things in my head you could have said that were mm-hmm. better. Like yeah. you could have named some of the most wonderful people humanity has produced compared to some of the most terrible people we've produced and been like, they're like us. Mm-hmm. Like you just need to believe me. They have terrible people and they have good people and the good people are trying to stop it. Like you just need to give them some time. Well, think or, or make comparisons to all the awful wars we've gotten in where people have died for nothing and been like, we can't do this again. Which I was going to say what I like about the sort of conflict is you can't really trace sort of the first transgressor in a way because, yeah. you know, the apes are responding to a perceived aggression. The humans are responding to a perceived aggression. Yeah, who, exactly. Who really is at fault here? You know, it's yep. like... It, Once it starts, yes, but then you have Caesar who can tell the apes Mm-hmm. what really happened and so what really bothered me the most about this movie was the end where malcolm's like okay good it's over and caesar's like except you know they called for help and these soldiers might be coming so i just want you to know you need to protect yourself and caesar's like no the war's already started humans are never going to trust us again and like they're never going to and that's all true like you're the humans are never going to trust the apes again absolutely but i found it interesting that the apes now, theoretically, they know that the humans never tried to hurt them, but they also know that now the humans might try to hurt them. But it seemed foolish then to me to say, because the humans are never going to trust us and because they're going to come after us, we have no choice but to engage in a war. I was like, that doesn't work for me. Like, yes, you need to defend yourselves, obviously. You're not just going to lay down and die. But to basically say, like, now we need to go on the offensive, and well, now war is inevitable. I was like, doesn't that go against everything you stand for? I well, don't understand. Yeah, no, I disagree. I don't think it's about them going on the offensive, and that's like what I was saying about the title, is that you know it's a matter of they can't just go live in the trees anymore and, and have their own society. Like they, Now they've basically taken over this city, uh, you know, this, this downtown area. Even if they left, like humans were still gonna go out and try and find them because now they consider them a threat. So it, whether like they stay there, whether they go back, is the solution. Like some trying to find, but he just seemed to say like war is inevitable. And given, I mean, not that this movie has to go to where the first one began. Yeah, see, but that's you what get I was... the you get the sense that it is. Like I yeah. feel, I feel like yeah. we're supposed to assume it is eventually going to the place where the very mm-hmm. original that's, movie begins. That's what I was wondering the whole time. And so I was just like, that to me makes it seem like they're just going to try to now steamroll the planet. And I just don't understand how, like, based on what you were saying, it was a miscommunication. The apes know that. Like, the people are never going to trust them, but still, the like... The humans are never going to listen. That's what it yeah. was. I like, well, yeah, I agree. But, but that's why I feel like there's that. some sort of... If you're not, like, a bloodthirsty, murdering person, you might know that someone's out to get you. And you might know that they're never going to listen to reason. But does that make it okay for you to then destroy them all? Like, that doesn't sit right with me. Like, yes, like I said, defending yourself is one thing. But actually engaging in a war, you have a choice about that. Well, and that's, I mean, I think that also links back to one of the big tenets of this movie, which is, uh, you know, it's sort of Caesar's big character arc through the film is... You know that at first he just considers all apes to be superior, right? Apes are, you know, we apes don't kill apes. We tr- if you're an ape, I trust you, basically. Um, and that's his flaws that he trusts Coba because he's an ape and doesn't see that he has, you know, a, a darker side to him. Fucking evil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the term. And he, so he he has to come to the realization that not all apes are perfect, but at the same time, not all humans are evil. 
So there are, there are humans who can trust more than some apes, and vice versa. And that's and, and so again, like we see Caesar make that journey, um, and Jason Clark's character uh, makes that journey as well. But I mean, that's I, I think you're right. It's like the apes sort of see that. Like, yes, yeah, some we not all apes are perfect, and we you know some humans are okay, but humanity as a whole may never be able to cross that bridge. Even mm-hmm. for like an angry mob, where they were just like something happened, they're like, oh. Like you can't come down and just like explain. They were the, they yeah. Were like, yeah. They were the the citizens of South Park. They yeah. just, <laughs> <laughs> but they also just like can't like. That's why I'm saying. That's why I don't. And okay, I know we don't know where the third movie's gonna go, but I think you know. I think we do. do. But I was just saying, like, you can't explain the concept of a false flag to these humans and just explain to them what happened. Like, yeah, look, it was all a big misunderstanding. Yeah, well, no, but just like explain what happened. But the problem is, I think in this case that they're really humans don't really have a society anymore. Like, all government mm. is broken down. The people in San Francisco don't even know for sure if there are people anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. And more importantly, there's no Caesar. Humanity doesn't have a Caesar. They don't have Mm -hmm. a central leader. They don't have one person who you could sit down and have a conversation with and explain something calmly and rationally, and then he could turn to the rest of humanity and say, all right, guys, listen, here's the deal. We had to sit down, and this is what's going on. Like, it would literally be Caesar explaining to a crowd of angry humans with like machine guns you know like there's no way to have that conversation you know but, but, but as we've yeah, but Malcolm doesn't have no, any authority no, to it, anyone outside the of the only person who has you know? the authority is Gary Oldman who mm-hmm. kills himself who, yeah. well yeah he martyrs himself for which again like I think you know his position is perfectly reasonable like from his point of view like from us having seen Malcolm with the apes and stuff it's like no he's wrong obviously yeah. but from his perspective and it's, it's not like even Malcolm's a matter of, fucking crazy yeah exactly it's not even a matter of like well the villain thinks he's doing the you know the villain thinks he's right even though he's clearly evil it's like he's not even clearly evil here no. he just is incorrect he's just not informed you know but and that's what I like. That it's just it's sort of a tragedy of a series of misunderstandings. Yeah, you know. Exactly. And, and going back, going back even to the, like the very original where Gary Oldman's like, "We better arm," you know, yeah. just in case. Exactly. And then Koba comes in and they're like, "They're fucking arming!" Like, <laughs> you know. And so it's like a self perpetuating prophecy. Well, and so that and it, it makes goes back to the Franco verse. I mean, with the thing where uh, John Lithgow gets in the Mustang and starts crashing everything, and then yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the guy attacks yeah. him, and he's just defending him. And it's mm-hmm. original. The whole like metaphor has been that there are some good humans and there are some bad humans and there are some good apes and there are some bad apes. I don't think the movie would even want you to say like, well, people just aren't going to listen and nobody's going to listen and they're just a loud mob and you can't reason with them because isn't that what they would have said about the apes? Like they're not going to listen to us. They're not going to reason. We just have to mow them down. Sure. I wonder if to what extent the the movie's morality is at odds with where its mythology is going. Sure. Because I think yeah. that's interesting, because I think you're right. This has to be heading toward Planet of the Apes, where they take over. It is them yeah. who control the planet. The humans are nonverbal, and that's where we are. Yeah. And then I'd be very interested to see if they eventually really make good on this sort of coming full circle, and right. then we're in the far future, well, and I mean, that's humans why come. I also thought Caesar was going to die So did I. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, you can't get to where Planet of the Apes is Unless Caesar dies, yeah, and someone like Koba sways history, which I guess could still happen a thousand years from now. I I was kind of seeing it, yes, I was kind of seeing it partly, like, I thought what they were going to do was make it a battle for Simba's soul. That's what I thought it was going to be. Because he was going to be left in charge. And he was going to be left in charge, not really, like, I thought that when, because, you know, I think they showed in trailer trailer that, um, uh, 
Caesar's is going to leap, and yeah, there's going to yeah, yeah. be up explosions, and he's going to. I mean, I assumed he was going to die, and I kind of, as the movie progressed, thought he was going to die, taking down Scar. Right. And in so doing, leaving Simba there, going, I don't know what to do. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and 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 in the you know, lacking lacking a, a father figure. Yeah. He he would kind of come out somewhere between, which would put us right in line with Charlton right. Heston. Well, mm-hmm. and, and, and you're right. I mean, that's that's the interesting you know question here is wh- where are they trying to head? Because like I said, there, there's I feel like they haven't never they've never really made a hard line about we're trying to get to Charlton Heston no. or it's kind of just in this it's taking the same premise or whatever. So you could either say yeah, this is all leading up like clearly this is all leading somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's is this all leading to. Charlton Heston, where yeah, humans are nonverbal and in cages, and apes are running in the thing. And by the way, I kind of there's a little part of me that really wants to see these apes in like the green and the orange and the purple <laughs> yes. outfits. Like I uh-huh. kind the, of really want to see tunics. that. Yeah, yes. exactly. Creepy cast system. No, no, no. I just want to see like I just want to see like weird future tunic mm-hmm. things. There's yeah. some um, poor gorilla who's like, I just wanted to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, just want to dance, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, get Kevin. Bay- into <laughs> <laughs> people silently mocap sign language but yeah no the, the other way to go would be not to go this is all leading to Charlton Heston but essentially it's leading where battle is where that where uh, uh, mutants? Uh, no no uh, <laughs> fucking where the other where the other Caesar is got a uh. sort of there's humans and there are apes living together, and yeah, there are other humans off somewhere who don't well, like the I apes. Mean, but there are humans and apes living together, and they've got this sort of little utopian society. Is that society you can't kind of tell thing. apes no one? Yes. Because yes, yeah, see, I didn't like that either. Because I was like, now you've—I mean, all you're doing then still is subjugating the humans, and like, mm-hmm. cause you, oh, humans told apes no for so long, you can't tell an ape no. He was—he was defending himself, like right. the mm-hmm. ape. You can just let the apes run wild because you're not allowed to tell the apes no, and if well, they attack you or hurt you, you're no. But that's where the movie ends, it. though. That movie ends with them saying, like, yeah, we, we can't, you know, we can't maintain this relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be equals. You know, we can't be well. He, we're allowed to live together, but there are some things that he, apes can do and humans can't do. Like, we have to be equals, or this is never going to work. That's how that movie ends. Which is an interesting, like, in a way, it's a fitting place. For the series to end that sure. there, you know. So well, which I, would make me happy just because that's what we were talking about with Snowpiercer, where I was like, I don't understand. Like your society is so cut down, like you kind of just need to step up and get along and yep. work together so that you can rebuild. So I'm just kind of like, I don't understand why humans and apes cannot like come to an agreement to just share the planet. Well, I think that's where we're going to die otherwise. I think that's where they're heading, to be honest with you. And because because that was literally Caesar's arc in this movie was, you know, the first one was. Humans are okay, and then no humans are shit, and we need to be on our own. Uh, and this one was no, not all apes are are great, and some humans are okay. And it's like learning that thing. And he's left in this position of humans are coming to attack us, and we're going to have to defend ourselves. And you know, it, war is inevitable. Like we're going to have to do what we have, whatever we have to do. But I feel like it's you know that's sort of the destination is Caesar finding Caesar and some human. Whether it's Jason Clark in the third movie, or they just go with all new humans, which again I'm kind of totally I hope fine with. Yeah, sons become best friends. That's what I want to see. In right? <laughs> see if Blue Eyes and Alexander yeah. become best friends. That would be pretty cool. Friends. They're the new. Join they're the new friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bonded with Maurice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Maurice is a comics that. fan. Um, so, I, but I feel like that's where it's heading, you know. And, I, and part of that is I feel like you don't get a lot of 
dark, super dark endings. Anymore, so I was going to say, you, so the Hollywood wants the happy ending, you right? Know? So I thought it was interesting. You probably thought the same thing when when Gary Oldman pushes the trigger. I'm yeah. thinking Charlton Heston at the end of Beneath. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking, man, we're heading for a dark ending. Where mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna do it. And of course, I should have known better. Of course, they're not gonna end it. Yeah, you know, with that explosion amounted to nothing. Well, yes. yeah, but I think that was the idea was that they weren't like they were like, oh, we're gonna blow up the whole tower, but they'd only put like ten charge. They'd only put a handful of charges up. Like they were, he was making charges when he like went over and grabbed the gun and like turned on True. everyone. So True. I think it was like, oh, well, I've got to just do it because this is what we have. But like I. I think they were intending to wire much more of the tower. I was level. happy the building didn't crash down because I've had enough of buildings crashing down on yeah. on themselves and into other buildings. Like I was happy it was just a minimal thing. Yeah, and I don't think I think this kind of goes without saying, but obviously all of the apes work, the the effects work by Weta is just unbelievable. Yeah, we were talking how the apes in Rise look good. Yeah, but, you know, especially now if you're watching on your TV. Which one was Rise again? <laughs> That's the Frankoverse. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but the apes after. now, I mean, they look amazing. Especially, especially that, that opening and that closing shot. I was going to say, that really, last really, shot was yeah. incredible. Mm. Tight on his eyes. You have yeah. such detail the, on the eyes, and it doesn't waver. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and even his skin and stuff. Like you, It's astounding that you're not looking at a mask. You're not looking mm-hmm. at a real object there. It's incredible. No, I know, and you don't, you're never aware that, oh, I'm watching a whole bunch of special effects, here, right. which, as you are in a lot of other movies. Sure. And Maurice, I think, I know we love Maurice, but I think he looks especially amazing. Like, oh, yeah, if, if absolutely. If you had told me that was a real orangutan mixed in with all uh-huh. this CGI, I'd believe you. I love Maurice's sound. He's got that deep sort of rumble oh, sure, whenever yeah. he like kind of is, is mm-hmm. doing anything. That's so good. Well, and that's one of the things that's sort of the, the groundbreaking thing about the first one. Obviously, those apes looked really... I mean, like, that was a couple years ago. It even started to look a little dated while watching it on the TV. It the did. Day. No, it did yeah. look dated. Um, I was going to say, Baby Caesar especially looks yeah. not nearly as good. It's certainly compared to the baby in this one. I mean, it's like... Holy shit! It's unbelievable. Um, but what one of the things, the sort of thing that they pioneered in that movie was the uh, being able to do motion capture out on real sets. Yeah, like, like being mm-hmm. able to basically. Uh, I think it's like essentially the software overcame real world lighting problems. Whereas before it was like you needed to do that stuff in a very controlled environment. So you do all the motion capture in a green screen and then just lay it over whatever real footage you shot. Here they have guys doing motion capture in the suits out on the Golden Gate Bridge and like in real world environments. And it, I mean, that's a big part of what makes it look so good. Um, and that has only gotten better now. I mean, it, it's really, it's breathtaking shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, you know, after the first one, there was a lot of talk about Andy Serkis should be getting nominated essentially for he his work. Be. And I think he's, you know, I, I think his, it's just as good here. I obviously, I think the role is a little flashier in Rise. Um, and that you see the, the movie's more about him here this there's more bigger picture shit there's mm-hmm. human stuff there's a lot of stuff going on you know Koba off doing his thing without Caesar around so uh, the, the role itself is a little less flashy but the work is no less astounding though. he's he's gonna be the, the person who's you know gets the uh, lifetime achievement award oh, yeah know, exactly and, gonna, yeah. and they'll and they will show stuff from these movies because he's doing great work I, say, I would be okay with that like giving him some sort of honorary award eventually but I'm still not entirely sold that you should be able to win an acting Oscar for a performance like this only because so much of what goes into selling it to you is technical 
Like, I know that you could argue, like, oh, well, other actors, they have makeup and they have costuming and stuff yeah. like that, and that also helps you believe the character. But so much of what you're actually seeing is technical. Like, he could do an amazing performance, but if the engineers don't do the facial modeling perfectly to yeah. match his mocap, it's yeah. not going to matter. Sure. If the lighting and the shadow don't look perfect, if the hair isn't rendered properly so that it looks real, if you don't believe that that ape is in the room with that actor because of how good the CGI is, then none of the performance will matter. Sure. So it's like you can't give the Oscar to like the hundred people that went into making all those things happen. You so can, I'm still just not for acting. Right. Yeah. But so I'm still not entirely sold on the idea of giving someone an acting Oscar for a mocap performance. But so much of his performance, it's not just the physicality, like there there are you know, part of his mocap rig is a camera pointed at his face and all mm -hmm. of the little data points around his face, so you know, Caesar's expressions right, are Andy Circus's. That's still his performance. I know, but, but, if, but, if the, if, but if the technicians don't no, render I, I, all that yeah, properly, no, sure. if the software isn't where it needs to be or, like, the program isn't where it needs to be, then it doesn't matter. Oh, you know, like, point. so much of what's good about it is the technical achievement. I, I take your point. I, I would have no problem if he, got a, if he were nominated or if he won, depending on the other nominees. But I think, to all right, take the other side of that, look at... Uh, it's digital characters who are not motion capture. I refuse to use mocap. It sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and look at sort of the, the soulfulness that Andy Serkis brings to his characters oh, versus sure. the sort of lifeless weirdness of, of any other character who is not motion capture. Yeah, I, I think you Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exhibit number one. Yeah. Misa Jaja. Um, so I think... I mean, there, his King there, Kong in particular And is his amazing. King Kong is... Yeah. I mean, that movie's got problems, but his King Kong is, is incredible. I'm, saying, yes. I'm not saying he's not talented. I think he is, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. I definitely wouldn't be opposed to him getting some sort of like honorary lifetime award for all of this work. Yeah. Maybe he just needs but, a new category. And like, that's I mean, an interesting and thought. And I, I wouldn't I be surprised say, to see that If they start using this more and more and more and they want to make a motion capture yeah. category, that's fine. I think... I think I mean, that'll happen eventually. Yeah, I, but I, I mean, yeah, I'm fairly like I'm on the opposite end of this. Like I thought Scarlett Johansson should have gotten a supporting actress nomination for her, and that I was agree. just her voice. Yeah, I agree. You know, so I think that you know it doesn't matter. The, the sort medium of, is less the, important. The, than the medium is so yeah. much less important than the performance. Well said, yeah. my friend. Thank you. It's time. It's time to go to our recurring feature, the heart of the Ghostbusters. I think this is going to be an easy one this week. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot I mean, of us are we going to have a? Is it going to be unanimous? Are you going to make me do the thing where we do one, two, three, and we all say the thing, and I'm the only one who says something? <laughs> oh, I like this idea. No, yeah, no, and, no, I get no. to feel, and I get to feel really happy and excited about that. Well, we are now. Uh, all right, so let's. Should we all just say who, okay. who our heart of the Ghostbusters was on the count of three? Do we all? Do we all have a? I good idea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, let's one, find two, out. three, go. Yeah, oh yeah. All on right. go. Ready? One, one, two, three, go. Maurice. Yay! I got to be in it with everyone. What'd you say? I, I said Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> who Blue is eyes. that? Then? Blue eyes. Blue eyes. All right. I didn't know if she meant the baby. I want to hang out Maurice, with the baby. But I thought it was too easy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be different. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, okay. Here's how we distinguish why Maurice. So I'll I'll start. Sure. I, as I said in the car, I would like to have a beer with Maurice because I feel like he is a dispenser of sage wisdom. <laughs> he would be the man on the mountaintop giving you you know advice. He's the yogi. He is sure. the guru. Absolutely. I feel like so he's not going to have a lot of great stories. He's he not. He is. He's a circus already. He's no, you're right. Stories. <laughs> All right, you're right. But I feel like he's he will part with them reluctantly. No so way. I'm gonna I'm gonna do an addendum. I don't wanna have a beer with Maurice. I wanna have a bourbon with Maurice. <laughs> because you wanna sip something with Maurice. <laughs> okay. So maybe he's like John Reese Davies. All the stories people tell and I could see Maurice being like John Reese. Oh yeah. All the stories people tell about John Reese Davies is that much? like is that like so many people who have been in these iconic movies, if you try to kind of like fangirl or fanboy all over them and like tell me about whatever, they get really annoyed about it. But apparently John Reese Davies has like no qualms. And so like people who are doing Lord of the Rings were like, oh I was so excited to meet him and I would ask him all these questions about Indiana Jones and stuff. And he's just so happy to sit down and be like, well let me tell you what happened on this one day. Like so happy to just like sit and talk to you about whatever you want to know. You yeah. know? So I feel like Maurice could be that way. I think he holds on to his stories until the right time. Yes, see, he holds on to his stories until the right time because he is a sage yogi. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he might not be garrulous, but that's what the bourbon's for. (laughs) (laughs) You're right about sipping. That is so. That's right. I just think he would be more interesting to talk to because he really would look at things from so many different angles sure. and you could have like such a rich conversation with him. But he's also got kind of a devious streak to him too, mm-hmm. which is why I like him. They like he like not only does he sort of uh, organize all the apes that are locked in the prison bus but then, like when they're knocking, you know, knocking the bus around to get all the all the guards to come over, look at him. He like grabs the one around the neck and holds him onto the bus. I know. Like he's he's kind of a he's badass. Too. Yeah, yeah he's, he could fuck some shit up. He's he's Caesar's conscience. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he's mm-hmm. he's Yoda. Mm-hmm. He kind of feels like the ape that they put in charge of the armory at the yeah. battle, uh, <laughs> yes. which name I have forgotten. Yes. But he like has to ask him, like gives him a little like quiz before mm-hmm. he'll give him any guns, which yes. I think is great. You know, maybe the next movie. That's the Maurice. I hope so. Fabulous. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, so we all want to drink with Maurice, except, except for I, Cornelius. Okay, I would have. And I thought about Cornelius. I totally thought about Cornelius. I would take him out for ice cream. Yeah. I don't know how old he is. See, that's the (laughs) He's got no stories yet. He doesn't know who he is yet. He got attacked by a bear. That's a good story. I think it would be interesting to hear about living in the shadow of Caesar. Like, your dad is the guy everybody loves. What about you? Right. Is he wanting to follow in his dad's footsteps? Or does he just want to dance? I feel like you could probably exert a lot of it. You might want to have a drink with him because you could exert a lot of influence over him. <laughs> I was thinking you about could that. fuck with his head he pretty easily, it feels very like. Malleable. Yeah, exactly. Open to manipulation. Are you a yeah. lord? <laughs> She's a librarian. It's worse. <laughs> yeah. I think that probably closes the book on Donald the Planet of the Apes. Uh, generally, I think we all. We're all we're all in favor. Thumbs Daytime up. of the planet of the apes Indeed. is next. Yeah, we'll look forward to noon of the planet. <laughs> of the I still think new moon or <laughs> eclipse of the planet of the apes. There we go. Eclipse of the heart. Um, there are just a couple of things uh, from the last week to, that I want to chat about. Uh, Batman versus Superman: The Dawn, Dawn of, of the, the planet, planet of, of the, the apes. Justice of the apes. Um, oh God! If the next one is Justice of the Apes, no, oh God, Justice of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. 
Um, That's not that outlandish. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not at all, in fact. Um, Jonathan Outlandish. So, uh, we talked last week about this script that was going around that mm-hmm. is probably a fake script, and it, it, the rumor was that it was written by Kevin Smith, that Kevin Smith has come out and said, I did not write a fake script for this fucking movie. Um, but the... Now, the, the latest word is that uh, apparently Doomsday appears in this script. What and that they the literally fuck? do, like, a whole Death of Superman thing. Like, do we really... Does anyone give a shit about the Death of Superman anymore? Like, I know it was, like, a very big moment in the comics. I remember that. I have those comics. I, they're really good comics. Um, and I remember that being oh, a you big actually deal that happened. Yeah, I actually own them. They're, like, the few Superman comics that I own. Um, but, like, we got it in the Brandon Routh Superman. We got that bit, and they... It feels like it carries no weight. Oh, he has like that whole Jesus fall from space, mm-hmm. and they put him in the hospital, and they can't. The scalpel bends when they try to cut him open, and yeah. and she has to go see him in the hospital, and yeah, it's like I I just feel like that he doesn't die. Does he die? No, he doesn't die. But there's like, but they act like he dies. Like he, it, they make he it look like he's gonna him. die. Yeah, and he's been gone for so long. Exactly. So. But I, just, I feel like that storyline carries no weight, as, yeah. and maybe that part of that is just because it's like. Hey, look, you've rebooted this character. You're not going to kill him after like two Doctor movies. Who. It's yeah. all, it's no, all bullshit. Really die. Yeah. No, it's all bullshit. I just, I, does, any, like, does anyone really care about that anymore? I don't, I don't, feel, like, I don't feel like it means anything. It doesn't mean anything when movie? you have Batman around. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything when you have Batman around. Or Green Lantern or Aquaman. This is or... my point. It's like they, that's a waste. Or yeah. Unless, or unless the, uh, the only way it could make any, like, be worth anything is if they do some kind of. I don't know. Search for Spock afterwards, and like motivate, and like that's what gets the Justice League together is to find his Sherpa. Yeah. I don't, I don't. No, no. What is it? Katra. Katra. Fuck. Katra. Jesus. Sherpa. Uh, <laughs> well, the Sherpa was needed to find the Katra. Right, exactly. Right, right, right. Uh, it's funny because in the comics, the, like I, I really like the Death Superman comics. I think they're really fun, except. Four, there's this whole ridiculous fucking storyline where Superman literally comes back from the dead with long hair. Well, yeah, <laughs> unitard. Yes, he does. <laughs> but like, there's like a whole uh, storyline of like him sort of in the afterlife kind of thing, and and he, he literally goes back. He gets talked out of dying, basically. Like he's his body is dead and buried, and he's sort of like in the afterlife. And Pa Kent comes out and is like, "No, you can't be dead. Go, oh, like, go save people." And he's like, 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 "Nah, all right." And he so, just so Scott Pilgrim. Yes, very, it's very similar. You know yeah. what I remember about the death of Superman? I remember that the guy that Steel like replaced him for a while. Yep. And that's Shaquille O'Neal. That is Shaquille O'Neal. Look, I, anytime I, I that was on TV the other day. That movie is really? such a clusterfuck of ridiculousness. I've never seen it. I kind of want to now, dude. Fucking uh, Rodimus Prime is the villain in that movie. Sorry, Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson is Judd, the villain? Judd Nelson is the villain in Steel. How does that work? I do not know, but that's what happened. Shaquille O'Neal versus Judd Nelson. How is that not the most amazing thing that's ever happened in cinema? Dare to be stupid. <laughs> There's one other thing here. Um, so we got a this live-action Maleficent movie which I didn't see it. Did any of you guys see it? I didn't no. see it. I had no interest in seeing it. Um, apparently the whole thing was very rapey. Uh, it was really? like the, apparently the whole movie a was fairy like, tale with rapey overtones. I know. <laughs> it was all like a rape revenge thing apparently, yeah. which just oh, seems very that. weird. Um, the he comes and rips her wings off. Yes, and he hates she hates 
I mean, Charlotte Copley as like the crazy evil king was the only reason I wanted to go see that movie. Um, Not enough of a reason, apparently. No. But we do they got, rip off Princess Mononoke halfway through it? I I couldn't tell you. I didn't fucking see it. Um, but we've had so we had this live action Maleficent. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is giving us a live action Cinderella uh, uh, next like year, Kenneth I think. Me too. I like Kenneth. I we there was a commercial on earlier for. Um, the Chris Pine Jack Ryan movie, uh, and I like Kenneth Branagh's Russian accent in that movie. I like. I want to watch that movie just to watch like Russian Kenneth Branagh. I want you're to... Americans. You think you're all so clever. <laughs> We've had all of these sort of live action adaptations of classic, you know, fairy tales, and particularly like Disney fairy tales. Got that awesome Beauty and the Beast show on the CW. There you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, what's next up on this docket of uh, classic Disney adaptations? A live action Dumbo, of course. Oh, great. Oh, Why? I don't that's know. So Who's so going to. Wait a minute. I know. Well, that's. We the... already had that movie, and it was called Operation Dumbo Drop. Well, no, but this, so this Who's is the thing. Motion capture the elephant. Exactly. I, I, I will. <laughs> I'm making motions with my, my large ears. ears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For all our listeners at home. Well, yeah, I mean, look, obviously the elephant is going to be motion capture CG. Uh, but Andy Circus. No, exactly. We, say, we, we just <laughs> saw a movie like, you. Not, it's not impossible to make that work. Granted, apes are more human, so it's, that I motion capture say, works that's better. That's why that works, though, is yeah. because apes have human faces and human, like, mouths and eyes and noses. No, I agree. Stuff. I agree. Far different when it's but an then again, fucking. But also, Dumbo never talks. So it's right. Dumbo, which I oh, learned he the will. hard way. He will. I learned the hard way because I had not seen that movie since I was a child, and I just didn't like it very much. So I never watched it again. And then I was watching it for a class at school. And sometimes when I get really antsy and I want to check my watch every two seconds, I make some sort of deal with myself about how long I have to go before I can check my watch again. And so my deal with myself when Dumbo, when I was bored out of my mind, was you can look at your watch again when Dumbo talks. And it took me about like 80% of the movie to be like, I don't think he's going to talk. <laughs> Timothy and Mouse I was all talking, right? I don't think he ever talks. Yeah, he never talks. He doesn't yeah, talk in the entire movie. I forgot about that as well. Um, Which is part of why the movie is so damn boring. Your protagonist, your, you know... He's so character. expressive, though. Never His speaks. face is so expressive. He does I love, I love Dumbo. It slayed me as a no. little kid. Well, here's my, here's my question: Is you know, is there, is there any value to this kind of thing? No. And I'm thinking, no. well, I'm thinking particularly with Dumbo. Here's the only Don't argument. Everybody speak at once. Here's, <laughs> here's the only argument I think you can make, uh, at least with, with Dumbo. Um, could it be a way of bringing kids? into like a younger audience to like classic characters and making no. like those yeah. originals accessible no. in some well, way. Well no because I They're, it's a Disney well, movie. No, so that's the thing I was gonna say I don't think Disney has that problem. I don't think it's like, There's you know, Manchurian candidate. Yeah. yeah, where you could argue like, well maybe we need to remake this because people haven't seen the original and they're not gonna go seek it out. If you haven't seen it by the time you're like thirty, you're probably never gonna see it, so we should just make a new that, one. That makes remakes sound so altruistic. Like there are a bunch <laughs> of film scholars like, damn it no one knows about the maturing candidate. Let's remake it. <laughs> like, it's a really good idea and it's a really good story and a lot of people haven't seen it so let's just make a new one. Like, it'll yeah. be great. But yeah, but Disney doesn't have that problem. No. Like, well, people no, but... watch Disney movies Although still. is one of the less Right. Well, but that's because it's one of the worst. No, it's not. Dumbo is so weird. Hold on. Hold on. 
Okay, no, okay. it's no, not. No, again, oh, Jamie, and, and no, the Jamie's weird right. Acid trip I love the acid, acid trip. <laughs> they snuck that into a <laughs> Disney movie <laughs> in the fucking 40s. <laughs> Do you seriously right, believe? It's basically heffalumps and woozles in the middle of Dumbo. Yeah. You don't remember yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, it's oh, amazing. It's yes. so good. It's fucking incredible. I think Jamie's right. I don't think that, I mean, do you think anyone in our generation is not going to be like, I can't wait to have kids so that I can watch Show Aladdin with my kids? Well, yeah. no, but this is, no, but I guess here's my, this is my question. So Jamie and I, we were talking about this in a different context yesterday, um, talking about uh, video chatting video on like on your phone. We were at the gym the other day, and there was this kid who, first of all, he was being really annoying because he was just sitting on the machine doing, like, two reps every ten minutes, basically. Uh, but he was – he had his phone. He was, like, FaceTiming with his girlfriend it's while he was on the machine. against the gym rules. Right. But he had the he had the phone, like, propped up on the machine, so he was, like, talking to her, like, while he was while doing he curls and shit. two reps on the machine. I want to be on. I know, right? But, like, like, yeah, I'm super – if I were a girlfriend, I'd be super impressed with your two reps in ten minutes. <laughs> but my question was, you know, is this something that we're just out of touch with as, like, 30-year-olds – you know, do teenagers, you know, younger people who, you know, video chatting is not new and, you know, weird or, or novel to them. It's just sort of... Nemo is, Nemo is pooping. Now we have to take a poop. God, every time we come over... The... <laughs> Bring it out in him! Literally. We, co- we coax it <laughs> out. Literally. We are like... Uh, it's being shit. Like Please leave all this in. <laughs> so... This guy was doing FaceTime with his girlfriend at the gym. Is this something that we're just out of touch with as thirty-year-olds who you know, video Not chatting? Not FaceTiming at the gym because I yeah. think that's basic human politeness. Yeah, no. Use your phone in an opportune time. But using using video chat as a sort of like no big like deal default, default communication. Like if I'm going yeah. to call someone, I am calling I them via FaceTime. So. As someone who works with teens, say I work with tiny children. They don't. I don't think. They do a Snapchat sometimes. Yeah, well, this sure. is more oh, like the 12-year-olds who are like just getting phones and think that it's awesome. Yeah. Teens are on their phones all the time, but it's mostly texting. Sure. I don't even think they talk anymore. Oh, it's they like definitely don't. Text. Well, that and that's what I feel like is like talking it means seems dumb to them. It's like, well, either I'll text them or I would video chat them so I can see them and hear them. Yeah. Why would I just hear them if well, I could do both, pictures, you know? Maybe do some Snapchat, yeah. but I don't think they video well, and so this was my question, sort of. So, in reference to you know Dumbo, is you know do if you where kids are sort of bombarded, where you know everything is you know computer animation, and that's sort of a style. Like even though we think that shit is dumb now, but like that's the style that they're sort of accustomed to because every cartoon on the Disney Channel or on Nickelodeon or Saturday Morning or whatever is that sort of low grade CG. CG exactly that that's sort of the visual language that they're comfortable with. That so that if you showed them something like Dumbo, that's hand-drawn animation where the main character doesn't talk for, you know, 80 minutes, do they find that, like, old and weird and cheesy the way that we would have found, like, a black-and-white movie when we were kids? Well, but I was going to say, that's the difference, though, is that, first of all, not everything they watch is, is, is CGI. A lot of popular kids' cartoons right now are hand-drawn. I'm pretty sure Doc McStuffins is hand-drawn. Um... <laughs> I still can't hey, believe look, that's not a made-up show. But now we're in my room. What, what is these that? Are my is second exactly. Graders. I was going to say, these are my second graders. I don't think the problem is hand-drawn animation. I think they'll still watch hand-drawn animation. They'll still watch cartoons because that's geared at them. The problem is what you said secondarily, and it's why I don't think Dumbo, I even yeah. liked Dumbo as a child. Yeah. And I was, I was raised on the Disney hand-drawn animation. He doesn't talk. 
like there's that weird it's sequence slow. in the center. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to like, it's about Dumbo. It's supposed to be about Dumbo, but he never really does anything. Like everybody else does stuff. It's not nearly as interesting of a story. Like the songs are really schmaltzy and like lovey-dovey. And when you're a little kid, like, I don't know. I think Dumbo is, which is why, like why remake Dumbo? Like Dumbo is really not is. an interesting like, one. Like Dumbo's not that great. Well, I'm, I'm the odd one out, though, <laughs> I guess, because I liked Dumbo, and I, I think it was, like, anything that was, like, a, a dead parent, like, just screwed sure. me up as a child, and that was, uh, well, I know, I know, but with, Bambi, yeah. Yeah, Bambi Snow White. Land Before Time, yeah. even, like, yes. that was, oh, yeah. so, wait, 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 which one, the, the original, the one, yeah. <laughs> you mean not, like, no, not like yeah. no. Actually, eighteen is very good. <laughs> it's like a rated roots in eighteen. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I enjoyed Dumbo, and I just as a sort of general thing about the early Disney animation. Like, if you go back and watch Dumbo or Lady and the Tramp, like that animation is beautiful. Yeah. You oh, know, sure. and so I feel like it's and it's but it's so different from what yeah. even mo- Pixar, even you know? modern yeah. animation is like. It's so like oh, modern absolutely. animation is a lot more like it's you know it's postmodern and it's like things look drawn you know what i mean like it doesn't there's not you can almost see pencil lines the, yes the jittery cartoons remember the jittery cartoons that were around a couple of years oh, ago sure, they were yeah. just like like frames weren't frames they were always shaken mm-hmm. it was like seizures yes i, I know what you're talking about Disney, and then there's the blood cartoons like, because the stories hold up yeah. Yeah. The, the animation that jefferson mm. holds up you know they're just well-made films so and like i think bart was saying earlier like you do think about sitting down like i'm gonna show my kids the little mermaid like you think about the movies you loved as a kid and you're like i want them to watch it and then when a new disney movie comes out like i want to take them because that'll be their new classic right um so that's great i feel that like disney movies need to be remade to reach a wider audience if someone like jeff loves dumbo he's gonna show his kids dumbo but that doesn't necessarily mean the kids are gonna like dumbo that was my question release it into theaters See, like if you want to introduce it to a new audience re-release it yeah. for one of the anniversaries into theaters i don't I, know if, i don't know if you need to though i mean like i was dying to show my niece and my nephew who are three and four i couldn't wait to show them my neighbor totoro i just oh, couldn't sure. wait to and i never like i encountered that when i was in college yeah um but i was like this is a, a beautifully drawn beautiful story like this is just an excellent like kids movie it's excellent yes. and i couldn't wait to show them and i and i can't wait to show them 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea when they get all a little bit yeah. older. And, you know, and that sort of thing. But that's the thing is, I think it's it's not just cinema. And it's not TV shows. I mean, it's it's everything. I mean, I don't know whether... Like, do you remember when the Wii came out? Yeah. And everybody was... Like, they couldn't keep those things on the shelves. And it's because everybody wanted to play Nintendo right. games yeah. and Super Nintendo games again. And I have no idea. Like, I know it was a huge hit with adults. But I have no idea whether that worked with kids. Well, and it's interesting because no, like, like, like playing I, vintage games. I have no idea whether kids today have any interest at all in playing like NES era games or or Genesis era. Well, games. Well, it or, depends. It's interesting that you say this because just recently a video went viral of kids playing with a Game Boy. Like, yeah, they gave an original. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I hate those fucking. Well, videos. no, but I was gonna say like, assume, and like you don't know how scripted it is or whatever. Right. But you know, obviously the kids were taken aback by the lack of color and the lack because they were playing touchers yeah and so like they're taken aback by the simplicity of it but what i thought was really interesting is the slightly older kids just like 13 or 14 even Mm -hmm. had enough media grasp and enough understanding of technology to be like well i mean given how old this is like this is awesome this is great like you can take this places. It was the 
first one that you could take places. If we didn't have this, we wouldn't have the PSP. You know, like kids can understand things like that pretty quickly. Mm. And so I think a lot of it is in how you frame it for them. And especially if like they know it's old and so they know it's going to look different. But they also understand that like it's without this, they wouldn't have the things they love. Mm. You're going to show your children Planet of the Apes, are you oh, not? Oh, absolutely. So this, fact, this, I will this brings not it... be in the room when that <laughs> Well, no, and then, you know what? And that was like well, the thing I that... I sat through this twice, children. If you want to bail, you're more than welcome. Your father's an idiot. And, and honestly, that was it's one of those... It's okay not to like it, children. It's okay to tell Dad you'd rather watch Harry Potter and run into the other room. Yeah. Well, and that's... And like that was the, the thing that I felt, uh, you know, the first time watching the Apes movies was, man, I really wish I had found these when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. Like when I was like really first like super digging into sci-fi and like really falling in love with sci-fi, I really wish I had found these then mm-hmm. uh, because I like I would have watched them like a million times by now, you mm-hmm. know? I would have, like they would have been on a regular rotation. Like, I think it would have been good when you're in your early teens and you're just starting to develop your critical faculties to see sci-fi oh, sure. like that where it's blatantly obvious what they're doing like oh yeah. how like the religion issues and stuff like that are yeah. pretty overt and you can see that when you're a teen and start to be able to compare that to yeah, your to own see, society which is why it's a good kind of it would be a good stepping stone to no, totally. Those old school like sci-fi movies that are like, yeah, they're playing with like big ideas like that. Yeah. Those are the great. Those yeah. are the things you want to see when you're in like middle school and you're actually That's starting to develop those faculties. But I was gonna say, but again, though, you have to kind of frame it for them. And I know that like you would, because of being media literate and stuff like that, and you would want to, you would want to have that conversation with them. But I feel like if you just threw it on with no preamble, a yeah. lot of kids would just be like, "This looks dumb." Mm-hmm. No, like, sure, these, you're right. These you have look to stupid. You gotta so you have to right contextualize yeah. it and the right it's the time. It's the same way that right. like, we feel now. Like you look at Star Wars, and it's like sometimes you have to remind yourself that one of the reasons Star Wars is so important is because of how cutting edge it was in at 1977. The time, yeah. You know, because it's like certain looks kind of ridiculous now you know like the effects are not that great now and yeah. stuff like that no, so it's like we, you have to remind yourself that like this was amazing when people first saw it no and we've talked about that uh as well about um you know that to a lot of kids today like the 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 prequels are star wars you know they know the prequels and they know uh the clone wars tv show and like anakin is star wars to them not luke skywalker yeah, you know, and the also well, that's the old stuff, and they might know it and they might enjoy it, but like they don't feel the same like emotional connection that they do to Anakin and you know young Obi Wan and all that shit. Like it's a totally different universe to them. They see I it from a different angle. I tried to explain to somebody once that the, they wanted to check out the first Star Wars, and I'm like, well, do you mean Episode One or Episode Four? And they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You really need to explain the concept of in media's rest to them. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe not have gone over. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I think that probably just about wraps it up for us. Uh, thank you guys all for, for being here. This is uh, this is fantastic. I always love when there's more people here. I think it was always, always a nice, fun energy when the when there's more when the room is more full of people. Um, do you guys, I know Jamie and Bart remain phantoms of the internet, internet phantoms. Uh, do you guys have Twitter handles or things, your you know blogs what? or anything? You'd like I, to I'm going to say mine. I'm a lurker. 
I only retweet things. Yes. Or, you know. But there's, there's value in retweeting. Yes, I try to select. Roger very... Ebert was an epic retweeter. Yes, he was. And I, uh, I selectively retweet, and the things I retweet I like to think are, are beneficial and Absolutely. good. Absolutely. So, yes, I, and I'll have to explain this. Uh, my Twitter handle is Ari Grote, A R I E G R O T E. That is the name of an obscure secondary character in a novel by David Mitchell. <laughs> so, but if that movie, it's based, it's the book. The Thousand I Autumns. Of... <laughs> there you go. That's what I should have done. <laughs> it's probably not too late. You probably I, can get that. I right maybe now. could have. You could but if there's that. there's ever a movie made of The Thousand Autumns of Jacob Dezoo by David Mitchell, this is the character. Point. This is the character who will pop, and everyone will be like, "Oh, Ari Grote is so badass. That's awesome." <laughs> so I'll be ahead of the curve you'll there. Be, so yes, very good show. Ari Grote. Nice, Jess. Do you have? A... I'm not on Twitter, but I'm on Tumblr. Ooh, Tumblr. With all the kids. These the kids are on the tumblers. I'm on the Tumblr, and my Tumblr is keep calm and carry on Simon, and it's um, from Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Lovely, fantastic. Um, well, you can uh, follow me uh, at Daily Screening on Twitter um, or on Tumblr uh, or on Facebook, for that matter. Um, and of course, the blog is DailyScreening.com. Uh, and you can also, of course, follow along the podcast on uh, SoundCloud and on iTunes. I got to straighten out on iTunes. What uh, happened? What did happen? Uh, honestly, it was a SoundCloud setting um, <laughs> when it was checked correctly, but it still wasn't migrating. So you know, it's 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 working now. Hooray! So if you're subscribed on iTunes, you are now you know still up to date. Um, so you can rate us and review us on iTunes um, or follow us on SoundCloud. Um, what what are we seeing next week? Ah, what are we seeing next week? So next week is kind of a slow week. There's really not. How long till Hercules? Uh, I think it's the week after. I think the following week two is weeks? Hercules. Yeah, I think two weeks to Hercules. All right. Um, so there isn't anything big next week. Jamie's pulling up the list because there's like there's one thing coming out that I don't give a shit about and I don't remember. Oh, sex tape. Next Only week is one, oh sex next week is sex tape is week. That's Jason Siegel and Cameron Diaz have a sex tape. Um, yeah, I don't think it's really they, 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 get, they literally get yeah. fucked by the cloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they create the, a sex tape. Well, and so they, now, if they literally got fucked by the cloud, <laughs> I would see that. <laughs> but that's not actually what no, happened. Put your sky drive in my drop box. Yeah, no, so uh, I, have, I have no interest in that. In fact, I have free passes to see it this week and I'm not going to use them. I don't I don't want to see that movie. Um, but uh, next week at the Brattle, I believe, next weekend at the Brattle, uh, they're doing a double feature of The Raid and The Raid 2. Oh, let's do that. And I think we should do that. Uh, which I've seen The Raid. I have not seen The Raid 2. Um, I haven't seen either I've seen, I should take that back. I saw, I saw the first like eight or nine minutes of The Raid 2 at South by Southwest. Um, and they there there was some sort of problem with their print. It didn't have any subtitles. Uh, it's an Indonesian film with no subtitles. I saw Siriana without subtitles. Oh, that's fun. That's like two thirds of the movie. Yeah, I think. exactly. I got George Clooney's part. Yeah, exactly. Which is you know that's not, that's not <laughs> bad. Not bad. Um, but yeah, so they they played like the first eight or nine minutes. Actually, it was really funny. They played the first eight or nine minutes, realized there were no subtitles, and uh, and then stopped it. And they were like, oh, we're gonna try and 
fix it. And so to fill time, the director came out and started doing Q&A just to fill time. He also had the two leads of the movie there with him, so he had them just start fighting on the stage. <laughs> like, they just started, like, sparring, like, kicking each other. It was fucking awesome. Uh, and then finally, after, like, 15 minutes, they figured out, yeah, we can't fix it. We're just going to have to reschedule screening. But they rescheduled it for after I was flying home. So uh, so I only saw the first, like, couple of minutes uh, with, you know, no subtitles. So I'm re- it, what I saw was fantastic. I'm really excited to see... Uh, the rest of it. So well, this, this time you buy the tickets. That's fine. I will do all of. I don't want to deal with Anthony. Again. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. I almost said at one point, I was like, Anthony, <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> Anthony works part time at the Brattle on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're fucked. Um, well, uh, thank you guys for coming, uh, and thank you at home for listening. Uh, we've had fun talking. So have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. 